Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, your life connection to the information for a healthy body, an enlightened mind, and a renewed spirit. Welcome to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Straight talk, enthusiastic support, and heartfelt encouragement for you to open up to your sacred sexuality. And now your host, Leslie Blackburn. today, this journey of sacred sexuality and being in our bodies and listening. And as we do each month, we'll explore listening and looking within our bodies, education, awareness, discussion, thoughts on various facets of our sexuality and consciousness that we often just don't feel safe to talk about. Um, Sometimes it's squashed and hidden away in the shadows and I'm here. I'm all about like, let's bring this stuff out of the shadows and meet it and dance with it. Um, So as we do that today, uh, we are first going to, as we do, settle into listening our bodies and then we'll explore today's topic. So let's begin with, mm, give a little stretch. Mm, And then exhale with some sound. (sighs) Allow yourself to settle in where you are, whether you're joining in today, live, or in the archives. You are welcome here. And no matter your sexuality or your gender, how you identify, how you express who you are, you are all welcome here. And what's it like to exhale and relax into really all parts of you are welcome here. The parts that feel clear and present, the parts that feel shadowy and dark, the parts we haven't looked at in 20 years, the parts that maybe we haven't seen at all, all of you are welcome here. And take a moment to feel and sense your sense of support and comfort in your body. Do you... Ah, that might mean if you're seated or lying down, feeling a way, the way in which your body is in contact with the surfaces you're on. Make any adjustments you need to increase that sense of comfort, of support. Can you let go into the flow of gravity and actually let it, ah, let it move you? And as you do, bringing your awareness also to your midline And I'm going to invite a little scan in our own bodies. You're noticing yours. I'm noticing mine. Where we start to notice our midline with the awareness of or the invitation of space, length, light, as we notice the crown of the head, the centers of the brain behind the eyes, the roof of the mouth, throat. Speaking of throat. The back of the heart, diaphragm, the upper belly, mid-belly, down into the lower belly and the pelvic bowl, deep pelvic bowl, wisdom, womb, wisdom. 
our sacred sexual center, regardless of how we identify in gender. Feeling our pelvic floor, the sit bones. Feeling leg bones, lower legs, heel bones, soles of the feet and tips of each toe as the roots from our feet and our pelvis spiral down through the structures we're on, spaces, foundation if we're inside and into the soil direct of the earth. Thank you, thank you, earth. Allowing your roots down in the earth past the water table and into the central core, wrapping around the core. And with this ground, this center, gently widen your awareness, breathing out, noticing out to the edges of the skin. Out beyond the edges of the skin into the space around your physical body. And out beyond, beginning to notice the space and the relational space between you, the space you're in. What do you see? Opening your eyes, maybe turning the head, noticing with delight what's in your relational space. I see two plants, one, both, sort of reaching towards the light. I see the space outside of my home with trees, and birds, and being aware of how we can be present with our own bodies and noticing the other, the relational space that we create with other beings. And with that, a breath of gratitude and a sense of ah, being here now. Yeah, so as we embark upon today, uh, it was it was funny. I was like, all right, what am I supposed to be talking about today? And as we talked about last month in the show, the October 2020 show was about ancestors and ancestral healing and how, you know, meeting our sexuality without authenticity, without really like claiming who, you know, like learning deeply about who we are, you know, can be a pretty thin soup. So to me, that's, it's, it's like, okay, let's, let's really notice who we are. And that part of that can be a journey with our ancestors. And um, in the last month's journey, as we did that, I was sharing a bit about what ancestral healing means for me, a little bit of um, what my journey has been with it. And I will say it, you know, it continues. So as I've been opening to, feel and connect with the guides in my ancestral lines and um, open to what work I'm supposed to do. You know, it's a dance between the realms of like 3d world and how we walk through the space on this planet together in physical form and in bodies and, you know, logistical and um, grounded earth aspects, things like, Oh, having a phone call with a, a long lost great aunt that I didn't know I had so much information to share and the love that I was feeling of reconnecting with her. So, you know, these tangible things like genealogy and family tree charts and, and also there's a strong spiritual realm of the other aspect to ancestral healing around really meeting these deep guides from, from the past that may be pretty far back. And for me, it's been a blend of both. Um, And 
the things in the 3D reality that reveal themselves uh, change as I do work in the spiritual realm to meet with the guides um, and change in surprising ways. Like I, like I keep getting shocked. So this morning as I was like, okay, what, what is for today? I'm like, well, clearly I'm just going to walk outside and reconnect with my guides and see what they tell me. And um, sometimes I have a window of what is emerging in the show um, a little in advance. And sometimes I really don't. And today it was like, I really didn't, didn't even wake up with anything that was supposed to be coming through. So as I'm walking outside and I stop and do some prayers and ask for the, the guides to guide me on this, I start getting this flurry of things like my, my daughter is calling, she's texting, like I have this conversation with her. There's this other thing happening. And I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> I'm like, well, I think your answer just came in. So what today's topic is, is the judgment and sexual shame that we create for ourselves and with each other around bodies and sexuality. Um, so this judgment, this shame of our bodies, of our sexuality, and, um, and some of the ways that that shows up and how it impacts us um, and how it impacts us uh, is, is just, so it's going to be an exploration. Um, what I will say is I, w- I want to offer a few things from what I've been learning in my, in my lines and the healing in my lines. And it's super connected because of some of the burdens of one particular line. And then um, also a book. So it was these two pieces, this ancestral journey and a book that I've been reading lately that's connected called the body is not an apology. Um, the power of radical self-love by Sonia Renee Taylor. And so here we go. We are embarking on judgment and sexual shame and body shame and how that impacts us. And what's that like? So as we explore today, um, I want to start with a little bit of the thread of what the ancestral healing, how that brought this in for me, the judgment piece, and why it's alive right now. One of the pieces that I've done is, um, and this is working with ancestral healing, ancestral medicine, Daniel Four's work, and I met and started to get curious about my four major lines, my mother's mother and all the mothers before her, being my mother-mother line, um, is the most the, the one that I'm working with strongest at the moment. So I'm going to start with just describing a little bit about that. Um, as I started to meet um, the question with this line, I already had some information in 3D world and genealogy and my family tree. But I asked for a guide and a guide I met. And a guide, this guide, what I love about Daniel's work is the invitation that we all have a connection with intact Um, with an intact, vibrant, well connection of support with the ancestors. It's just that for so many of us, that intact culture has been broken for so many generations. It can feel like it's not there, but it's all there. It is there for every human if we go back far enough. So I opened my heart and did some of the practices to sort of meet learn about my line, my mother, mother line, and learn about my guides in that line. And what I started to learn um, was that, uh, and, and, and let's not be, let me not try to say that I've only been doing this 
recently, like, yes, formally recently I've been doing this, but I've actually been working with some um, healing around conscious awareness of issues with my mother and uh, my mother's lineage for decades. So um, what's helping is I'm finding some new compassion. And um, one of the things we start to do in this work is like, okay, what are the burdens of the line and what are the blessings of the line? And the blessings that were coming through, and as I met this guide, I really felt this strongly, was like deep plant wisdom, plant medicine. Um, I met this guide who feels to me like she's in the early uh, few centuries, like maybe, you know, one, two, three, fourth or fifth century. Um, and uh, has really incredible plant wisdom. Like she knows, she knew the plants um, and the planet and the earth. And she was in really good relationships. She knew how to meet them and how to work with them intentionally for medicine and for nourishment and for her people and for herself. Um, and like the deep feminine wisdom of womb wisdom, of sacred sexuality that comes from um, being really connected with our bodies and being really connected with the land. And so I was like, oh my gosh, what a, what a gift to feel this connection with this guide who I, I currently know to be named Sarah, at least. That's how she's identified herself so far. And um, so as I met with Sarah and started to get curious, things started to change in 3D world. And like I said, I got to meet and talk to uh, a family member who's been doing this work and we reconnected. We had connected some years ago, but I just hadn't seen the connection, I think, in the same way. So suddenly a lens cleared. I looked a little differently and found out that some of the stories that were missing from my mother knowing about her mother and her mother's mother, which she didn't know much about because there was a rift between my mother's mother, my grandmother, and her mother. So I'll just name them. My grandmother's name is Violet, and my great-grandmother's name is Opal. And um, there was a rift, and um, so I didn't have any, uh, much information. And I started to learn this new information because my great-aunt actually knew uh, a lot more. She was close to Opal. And um, so what I learned, like the blessings of the lines, which I feel, and I actually feel this through my mom, the, the sort of plant wisdom, like I wouldn't have named it uh, at first, but I really see it. Like my mom always like was um, a gardener and she would grow plants and flowers and she still does. And, and so like, there's this really sweet, Oh, I feel closer to her in that way of thinking like, oh, hey, this, this is a blessing that's coming through our lineage that, that our mothers really knew um, what that meant to work with plants and to be with the energy of plants. And she does it in her own way. It looks different than the way I do it. Um, and that's okay. And it was touching, right? And I'd actually found an article in some papers and, and was telling her about it recently. And one of the, and this article was from when I was like, it was an article about my mother. It was when I was quite young. I was about seven. And so, you know, we're talking like 40 plus years ago, this article, this newspaper article. And one of the things that they talk about in there about my mom was that she loved to garden and that like vegetables, there was I, the quote from my mom was something like, there's nothing, there's nothing better than 
vegetables grown yourself, right? And she was learning new ways to grow them because she was in a different state when she, we had moved around a lot. And so she had been used to the Midwest and she was now in a different region. So, um, so that, so that's, that's a piece of the blessings that I'm really feeling and it's helping me carry some compassion with some of the burdens, right? So the burdens of our line that are, um, and, and this gets back to our topic then for today, because these are the burdens of our line. Our line is super good at passive aggression and judgment, um, shame. And so, you know, I think for years I just kind of got frustrated about that and just was like trying to do my own journey through unwinding passive aggression from my body um, doing my best to not pass it forward because I could see it, you know, it so shows up in this line and the way I see and have received um, interactions from my mom growing up and from my grandmother. Um, but there's this real, there's this really tight lipped stillness and secrecy. And there's this real like passive undercurrent So the anger builds, but it doesn't come out right away, right? It just stews and then gets squirted out later as passive aggression um, in those sort of subversive ways. And so I watched this for some years and I I had my own journey and my own frustrations with it. And then I was like, okay, can I see it in me, right? Can I turn, turn the mirror around and see the ways in which I'm being passive aggressive and the ways I'm being judgmental? And that's what's showing up right now. So it was just funny to be like, okay, what am I supposed to be talking about? And then to have the universe go, you're going to have to talk about your personal experience of how judgment is flaring up really strong for you and being judgmental in yourself um, as an offering of a way to unwind this. Cause I know I'm not alone in it. Um, so I started, you know, as I was realizing, yeah, this is a definite high burden of this line, this passive aggression, this judgment, I want to back up and also share from a couple other threads and then weave this back together of how it connects with our sexuality. But like the, you know, as I see that and then in the mother line, you know, the next in the line is my daughter, of course. And so I watch her and how she interacts with, with her, you know, in her generation and just as she was younger, even and in uh, late, uh, late elementary school or early middle school and how she would interact with other kids and how the inter- other kids interact with her. And just this over, I was just talking to her about this, actually, now she's much older. I was like, it's really interesting how your generation seems to be really like intentionally judgmental with each other, <laughs> like asking for the analysis of, hey, can you see if I've gained weight? Like, where does it show up on my body? And I'm like, why, why are we doing, why are y'all doing that to each other? And, and then agreeing to go, yeah, oh yeah, I see this and this and this. And like being really like kind of overtly judgmental, but in a oddly sort of supposed to be kind sort of way, but that like, is that really kind? And so there's this way it kind of this judgment has less passive aggressive to it, but more like just analysis. And and so as we were talking, she's like, yeah, I think it's, I said, you know, it sense to my sense to me is it has a lot to do with social media and, um, and even the film social dilemma on Netflix uh, is an excellent film to, that starts to highlight what I mean by this of like 
there is so much self-judgment and self-shame starting to bake into the psyches of so many of us, not just teens, although teens are very impacted because they've been in this internet window so much more of their life. Um, But that like finding out that there's a reason that's happening that's way more intentional than you'd think, like in terms of the, the tech companies and how things are structured and how um, these tools, these social media tools are programmed. So I highly recommend checking that out as a window into what I'm talking about around um, this judgment that starts to show up. So, and my daughter was like, yeah, it's like, that's exactly what happens. You know, um, we, we are trained with social media to analyze each other. Like that's how it's set up. You put a picture out there so that it'll get likes or not likes or, or you ask like, what do you see? You know? And it's like this, that's how they engage. That's how we create connection. So there's this um, trend for a tremendous amount of judgment. And then that lands and turns inward as so heavy and like the standards that are being put in place around that are totally unreasonable around body image and the way we're supposed to look or not look get set up about around these structures, which is completely falsified because all these tools have all these filters and other ways in which we're digitally modifying who we are. And so now body physical humans are thinking that they should shape themselves as they've been digitally modified, but like do that in reality. It, and it's just a huge spiral and it pains me. It just pains me. Um, and I think back to like um, when, when I was a teen, I think the judgment was still there for me. I know there was like, again, like these passive aggressive levels of judgment among teen girls at the time. I really felt, I, I never felt like I could really get close with friends, with female friends. Like I often, I was way closer with some of my guy friends. Um, and, and it had to do with this like subversive judgment of each other that really is coming from a judgment of self. And, and so it was more subversive then, or it, it had a different quality to it. It's, it's so much, um, but in either way, the impact is huge is what I want to get to. You know, I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it um, in the people around me. I'm seeing it in, you know, as a, as a theme that, these the way then body image impacts us is is terror terrorizing and it and sometimes it can be such that we really see that it's a problem and we really get that it's like oh this isn't working for me um and i get that i'm really hard on myself but i don't know how to change it right and so like that's actually a gift if we can see it because that it, that's one step towards being able to shift it and to actually ask for help or to get a therapist and get some support you know like folks who are willing to see it can start to meet it. But it also shows up so strongly in, in ways that aren't, people aren't really even willing to see. And that's when it's particularly destructive. Um, so I'm appreciating, I'm really appreciating circling back to this book that, um, that came across my recommendation a couple of times. And I'm like, oh, I need to pick this book up. The body is not an apology. And full disclosure, I'm only just a little bit into it. I just started reading it, but it's like, it's spot on in terms of what, what Sonia Renee Taylor is offering us to see this power of radical self-love and really unwinding and how um, it's a systemic and like 
by by claiming this for ourselves, you know, it's it these systems of oppression that are woven into the way we walk in the world um, are part of what's creating all of this, and that our claiming of our own radical self-love and power is how we can dismantle these systems, you know, in this journey and do that together. And so I'm just starting to dip into this, but um, I want to come back to a little bit of a, like what I'm starting to see in a a bit of a quote from that book. So we're going to take a short break and then we're going to circle back and check in with the body. It's not an apology. You are listening live to Body, Mind, Spirit Radio. Today is Tuesday, November 17th, 2020, and you are listening to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. If you would like to talk with Leslie live on the air, give us a call at 646-378-0378. That number again is 646-378-0378. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Hmm, thank you, my love, who's in Florida enjoying weather that looks very different than me in here in Michigan. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so now as we continue today, um, I want to share this inquiry. You know, as I opened this book this morning, I'm like, I think you're supposed to come in. This is what I opened to um, in something I just recently read, and we're right at the beginning of the book. Uh, she offers these unapologetic inquiries, and this is, this is number two on page 10 of the book. Um, can you recall an occasion when you compared yourself to someone? How did the comparison impact your self-esteem and self-confidence? How did it impact your ideas about the other person? And it's like, just take a moment with that. Like, how often and, and what, can you recall a time where you compared yourself? And how does that impact you? What is this impact of comparison? And I have definitely seen ways in which that's shown up for me. Um, and I, I invite us to just kind of sit with, like, what, as we go in the world, like, notice, what is it like? And what are ways in which we can, hmm, look through a different lens, you know? Maybe give ourselves a little love. And in fact, she goes on to say, radical self-love is indeed our inherent natural state, Right? Absolutely. Like we are radical self-love. It's not something to go off and find, but like to, un, to reveal, you know, she says, but social, political and economic systems of oppression have distanced us from that knowing. And she actually invites like um, connecting with our toddler body. You know, there, what toddler, what baby do you notice ever having any disdain towards this lovely curly squishy tummy and the big squishy thighs and like never has a toddler had any disdain towards their own body it's delight right and that toddler self is still in us 
and reclaiming and delighting in who we are and our bodies um, is really like this journey to me of sacred sexuality and the journey and the path of deeply listening to the body because the body is a sacred gift. It's this gift of possibility. It's the gift of like, we get to be here in this lifetime and navigate the world together. And we chose that. And that's really pretty incredible. Um, And so when we can start to reframe how we relate to our own bodies back to this natural state of like love and joy and pleasure, um, it's really an uncovering and unfurling of what is true at our core. It's who we are authentically. So this tapping into authenticity and tapping into the love that we know of ourselves um, becomes a path then of our own empowerment. You know, it's, we're just reclaiming who we are. Uh, It's so in that way, it's, it's got some simplicity like, Oh, doesn't even have to be a lot of hard work (laughs) Um, because who we are is who we are. And we can't, you know, only, only, only we ourselves can be who we are. Like we're the only one in the universe that can be me. You know, I'm the only one in the universe that that can be me. You are the only one in the universe that can be you. So our paths of claiming being authentically who we are become a little more straightforward, simple, because it's like we're just aligning with the authentic purpose of why we're here. And the universe wants us to do that. We, we, that's why we're here. So it's, it, it can, I'm not saying it can't, it won't feel crunchy or be uncomfortable. And that's, that's the tricky part in my journey is, is like, there are times when the unfurling and the unwinding of the social and environmental constructs that have been, you know, this, the things that have been, we've been steeped in um, that, frankly, we've been part of co-creating, um, but a lot of it was co-created and we've just continued to perpetuate these oppressive systems. Like it feels icky and it can feel really hard to unwind from, but like, um, hmm, what am I saying? I want to acknowledge that. Uh, Slowing down, listening to the body, trusting that the wisdom of who we are is right here. That's the key. If we compare ourselves to other people, if we try to be like somebody else, we're fighting an uphill battle. We're bumping against the rocks when all we have to do is let go into the flow of our own authenticity and not try to match or compare or be like what anybody else thinks, it's easier. Now, oh, and that's what I was saying. And not to say that the easier doesn't mean it doesn't have some discomfort. Leaning into the discomfort is what, like, I love this about Resma Menekum's work. He uses the phrases clean pain and dirty pain in, in his book, My Grandmother's Hands which is an exploration of unwinding racialized trauma from our bodies uh, as white, you know, white bodies, black bodies and police bodies are his focus. And he names and defines what that means. And, and, and his point is when we can meet, when we can do the work of meeting our clean pain, which is the discomfort of seeing things that we don't want to see about ourselves. (laughs) Like, Oh, like, when I talk about my mother line and the burdens and I talk about passive aggression, I used to think of that as this thing that my mother did. And I was like, Oh, when I could claim that as part of me that like 
hmm, I might do that. I might actually, not, not only might I, I do, right? I have seen it in me. When I can start to open my eyes to the way it shows up in me, then I'm now meeting my clean pain of going, oh, I feel so ashamed or I feel whatever it might be. Um, it's not about ashamed, although that might show up and I might feel that for sure, but that I can go, oh, how can I love that back into me and go, I, I, I've noticed the way I've had these behaviors. I've noticed the way these, those behaviors may have even created harm. And then how can I care for me in it? And in that, how can I care for each other? But the how do I relate to myself becomes the core, absolute core to teaching me how, to, how do I relate with other people? So as I mentioned at the beginning of this program, all of you is welcome here. And that includes those parts of you you don't want to see. And that includes my passive aggressive parts and my judgmental parts that I have and that can I meet them and love them, meet my clean pain in it and go, oh, it's hard for me to see when I do that. And you know what? It still shows up. And you know what? I just had a conversation with that with my lover and that how she and I and how we interact together is bringing this up for me right now. And we talked about it. I'm like, oh, boy, I think we might be meeting some of my mother stuff together and you and I is relating. <laughs> and she left because she's also meeting her mother stuff in it, too. And it's hard because it's uncomfortable, but it is the stuff of our intimate relationships. It's the gift. And that's what we, we were able to say that, even though we were having some rocky moments. We were able to see that and say that together. That's what I mean by clean pain. Clean pain is like, oh, oh, this is tender and uncomfortable because I see this pattern coming up in me and I'm doing it again with a lover and I don't want to do that. Um, or, and, right, I'm seeing this pattern in her and she's doing this thing with me that feels really familiar and like um, and, uh, in a passive aggressive kind of way. And I'm like, ooh, that's icky. It's my mom's stuff. And I'm like, oh, how am I meeting this in me, right? So the meeting, the loving, the meeting, the clean pain, this is the transmutation because this is what changes the state of the way we carry this vibration in our body. So as I meet the burdens of my mother line, the passive aggression and the judgment and the silence and the, the sense that the truth is an inconvenience, don't talk about it. I can start to see that, oh, that shows up in me too. And then, ooh, actually, I can see now with some more compassion how the mothers in this line had their own stuff they were dealing with. And so the choices they made were fueled by the horrors they saw or the trauma they experienced of a mother giving them up at birth or uh, you know, other traumas of partners that are abusive and violent and and start to go, wow, there must be something really deep inside that I don't even know that feels really hard, for example, for my mother, that's making our most recent interactions very difficult for her. So instead of that triggering me into then fine, forget it, I don't ever want to, you know, fine, I just won't talk to you ever again. And just even though that's what I'm hearing from her, that is not really true. Um, 
that I find myself in the knee-jerk reaction of it and realizing that's not really true either. And then the love of like, oh, there must be something really hard because to soften into an emotional availability, to be vulnerable and be intimate with someone is really hard to do when you don't feel safe. So what might my mother, for example, or my line be carrying that's so hard that's, that, that means that there's a grasp towards something, a grasp in the white supremacy culture of like some definition or some sense of false belonging in a culture that says that, that actually really doesn't care about uh, you individually in, in the sense of white supremacist culture, but that there's some something that they're holding onto that feels that, that when that is feeling threatened when we make these big changes in our world that says actually everybody's important and valuable and we could open a wider space for hope for all beings to be treated with equity and fairness. Um, somehow that strikes uh, a core of fear so deep in some people that it it, they respond with a sense of threats as if the threat is to their very existence, as if their very existence or how they define themselves is going to be erased. And that's what I see as I've been interacting with um, my mother and others in, in a culture of seeing, um, of being really tied into white supremacist culture without thinking they are. Um, so when I say white supremacist culture, I'm talking about the dominant culture that's been set up in our society that, um, that is based on colonization and based on um, an inequity, based on saying a power over another dynamic, right, and, and oppression, and, and based on the pr- principles that not everybody's created equal, even though it tried to say that, that everyone was created equal, it's clearly not. It's written into the very roots of our country that there was not equality. Uh, if we look at voting history, um, so like to unwind that and undo that is is hitting upon some such deep threads. And I feel like it has to do with this. It's like the judgment and the shame. Um, of our bodies and who we are. And so there's been such a rift for so many of us in our lines. Like for me, what I really noticed about our ancestral line rift is that um, it's been fragmented. My mom didn't know much about much of the history because of a falling out that had happened. And that's not uncommon for so many of us um, that were part of a journey of coming from Europe to the U.S., uh, there's this, you know, shame, um, hiding from maybe what our ancestors did, um, not wanting to face it, uh, thinking that it's just part of the past and the past is over, let's move on. And so for it to be sort of coming to the forefront and coming up to be seen, and again, it's like parts of ourselves, these are parts of ourselves. We carry genetically information from our ancestors from our people in our bodies and so we're carrying some of that trauma that we don't even know how to name we may even know not know why it shows up and yet it's here 
So this nature of the way that we carry this information in our body, we can unwind it from our body and it takes caring about ourselves. The body is not an apology. Radical self-love, right? These things translate to me what's it like to really deeply listen to the body and love and honor our sacred body and reframe how we relate to our body to come back to that authenticity that like, oh, our gift is to just bring that forward. So that means loving all parts of ourselves, including those parts that we see doing the things that our parents did that, we, that drove us totally crazy. There's a reason that shows up in us. It shows up in us to ask to be changed, to be transmuted, and we can be, we can be the fuel for that. We can be the advocate for that change. We can start to see it. And by seeing it, it's huge. That's, that's 90% of the whole journey, just by seeing it. If we're willing to open our eyes and see it, and then to just be a little gentle and have some care for ourselves, and we notice that it's showing up and, holy crap, triggering us or whatever it is, and then we go, oh, that's for me to look at. That's meeting the clean pain. So as we circle back to what Resma Menachem talks about, <clears throat> clean pain and dirty pain, so that we don't take dirty pain, which is the trauma itself, it's the ick, right? And blow that forward into more generations, into our descendants and our, our daughters and sons and our, uh, you know, peers and other beings on the planet. We, that tends to be the comfort zone that happens with white supremacist culture and white bodies is that like, oh, there's some shit. I don't want to feel this, uncom- this discomfort. That feels too uncomfortable for me to actually look at myself. So I'm just going to blow my shit through somebody else. That's dirty pain. And that doesn't change anything. It perpetuates it. And it causes more problems. What we want to do is transmute it, alchemize, change the state of what's going on and actually shift the structure so that no one has to carry it anymore. That's the healing that's possible. And it is possible. I've seen it. I've seen it happen. One step at a time, it's possible. Hmm. So letting ourselves be with comfort, be in the clean pain, change it so that we don't blow the dirty pain and create more harm. I recently was in a car accident. I hit a deer, this large buck, multi-points on his antlers. And he appeared quite literally out of nowhere. I had an eyewitness that (laughs) confirmed that because that's what I noticed. As my car and his body collided, I saw a shimmering. There was a way his body changed as he stood up and tucked his right leg into his body and scrambled to his three other legs and then powered off the road and into the woods, I felt a strength in him and I had seen into his eyes. And the message that he continues to walk with me with is what's it like to meet 
this power, right? The divine masculine, the space holder. Can I see that in me? Can I look gently at myself and the ways that I treat myself when I create harm? And, and how can I love myself and love the other in that? So he and I collided. I created harm. My car hurt him. How do I treat myself when I notice that? How do I treat him? What's in the field for us to meet together? How can I love me and love him and realize we're all in this together? And love my sweet friend, mentor, colleague Z, who helped me crack into a window of what I just shared there when we shared an audio share about this. Thank you, Z, for being there when I asked this question. Um, So walking with this sense of compassion, doing and being with compassion practices of like noticing self, noticing other, where's our attention? What's it like to bring compassion, to breathe in the suffering and to breathe out and honor the, the compassion to ourselves and to the, and to the, the other So this is like a powerful journey, a journey of noticing judgment and how it shows up, how that translates into shame about our bodies and sexual shame, shame that, you know, our bodies shame and our sexual sexual shame are so interwoven things about our bodies that we hide in our sexuality. And so what's it like to love our bodies into wholeness, to love all parts and to get curious about different ways we can be in our pleasure and explore that sexually for ourselves, with partners. There are, the relational space is where so much of our trauma has happened. Colonization, white body supremacy, these traumas that were perpetuated are from body to body. The trauma happens in the relational space. So what does that mean? It means the healing happens in the relational space. So these deep spaces of our partnerships, intimate partners, of friends, of people we might call an enemy, like these, part, these relational spaces, that's where the stuff shows up. That's where we're meant to meet it and heal it and shift it. Sometimes that can be with the person that the trauma actually showed up with to begin with. Maybe. More often than not, it can't be. It can't be with that person. But we can still meet it in the relational space and in our own relational space of the love that we have for ourselves. So I invite us to get curious about radical self-love, to get curious about listening to our bodies and slowing down. And we're going to take another short break and be back to explore listening to our bodies. Thank you for joining us today. You are listening live to Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn. Leslie Blackburn has a new website, 
It's clear, authentic, and mobile-friendly. Find radio podcasts, videocasts, and more free resources at leslieblackburn.com. Are you feeling horrified by the racial injustices or overwhelmed with pandemic life changes and not sure what to do? Are you feeling anxious and activated, having a hard time settling? Are you ready for more pleasure as you are also doing your soul work? Join others like you. Sacred Body Circles are online monthly via Zoom and and allow us to stay connected, support our own nervous system health, and trust being in our power. To meet this work together as a community and deeply listen to our bodies. This month, we sink in with the ancestors and listen to our body wisdom for guidance in these times. As part of the Sacred Body Circles, you will receive guided experiential practices of connecting with your body and the land, ways to let go of the old stories and open to your own vital force, and much more. To participate in the Sacred Body Circles, simply join the $15 per month tier at Leslie's Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Leslie Blackburn. Sign up now for instant access to the past recordings, as well as access to join us for the next one, which will be on Thursday, November 19th. The address again to sign up is patreon.com slash Leslie Blackburn. Leslie offers private sessions and has helped many hundreds of individuals and couples over years on their path in sacred sexuality. Sessions are available remotely by Zoom, Skype, or phone from anywhere on the planet. See details at leslieblackburn.com and reach out there to set up a time. Way to get announcements about upcoming events as well as inspirational stories, videos, and radio show archives is to subscribe to the email newsletter by clicking on the link on the website, leslieblackburn.com. And now back to your host, Leslie Blackburn. Thank you, my love. Ah, So as we settle in, I want to invite a little journey of curiosity in our bodies. What are you noticing as you breathe? Taking a moment once again to like drop down, drop rearward, be here now. And ask, like, what is it that you need to know right now around unwinding judgment and shame from your body? Check in. Let a little softness happen. And drop those questions right into the pelvic bowl, womb space, the creative center. We all have this creative center regardless of our gender identity or expression, regardless of our body our sex, deep in the pelvic bowl. What's it like to get curious? What do I need to know right now? To unwind judgment and shame about myself. And just hold space to listen. Trust that your body knows it's wise. You may get an answer in the form of visuals or smells or colors or textures. You may get a sense of knowing. You may hear something that just clarifies for you. 
and you may not have much uh, that comes through right away. Give it space. So if you don't notice anything that comes, emerges right away, just hold space for the next 24 hours, the next even three days. Can you intentionally come back to this question with your body? And be curious of what you see, what comes in forward in your life, what dream space opens up, what happens in your 3D world that catches your attention. Stay open to notice. Be curious about those things that seem random. Be curious about those things that seem bad. Right? A car accident with the deer. Could we brush that off as some random occurrence that, oh, bummer, that's a bad thing, and now my car's in the shop? I could. Or I could see it for the rich depth of like, and that deeply a relational space with a creature who's helping me see way more about myself and self-love and caring for how I create harm. That's a gift. So with a breath of gratitude for your body, for continuing to listen, for taking this moment to care and for beginning that journey or continuing, I'll just say, continuing the journey right, of really listening to your body with love and respect and with deep, deep gratitude, sending you all much love and light. Thank you for joining us today for Sacred Sexuality, with Leslie Blackburn. If you'd like to contact Leslie, please visit her website, leslieblackburn.com. Leslie is available for private sessions remotely, and you can find more information about this at the website. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and have a beautiful day. Join us again next time for continued support on your path of self-realization. The power is within you to heal your body, connect deeply with others, manifest your heart's desires, and experience your deepest bliss. By our healing, we impact others, inspiring love for humanity and the planet. Thank you for joining us for Sacred Sexuality with Leslie Blackburn.